Okay, welcome back. This is part two. Yep, part two. This is an important topic. I didn't feel like it was something that I could properly do in one. So we're doing it in two. Um, I have an amazing guest. I, I always say this, that I'm like, I can't introduce people properly. But what I'll tell you is I was at an event a few weeks ago and I listened to her talk about domestic violence and honestly within the first couple sentences um her passion for the topic was contagious she had the room fixated um and it hit home and i was like i need to have this person on here so without further ado amber let's talk let's get into it Sounds wonderful. Thank you for having me. I am very excited to uh, be able to talk and share and just raise some awareness in um, a very unfortunate um, problem that we are definitely seeing in our society as a whole. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize it was as common as it is. Until I called to see if people would share their stories. And the like landslide of people that reached out, it was, it was alarming to me. And then seeing that there was people I've like known my whole life that I had no idea said to me, like, this is, this isn't, uh, oh, it's someone else's problem. It's, uh, you probably know someone or multiple people that are experiencing domestic violence. Absolutely. Um, I think, what was it? So I believe the statistic in my speech at the fashion show fundraiser was in Canada, um, it's every one in four women that themselves or they know somebody who has been abused emotionally, physically, or sexually. So when you even take the room that we had, you know, just 140 139 female. Right? And then you... 140, but I was the only dude. Yeah, exactly, which was amazing. I loved every minute of that and that support. Um, yeah, so I mean, out of every four women in there, themselves or they knew somebody right, that had had this done to them, that have been on this roller coaster of emotions, and it, it truly is life-changing. Yeah, I think, I think, oof, I'm trying, it's, it's hard for me to verbalize this stuff, because I mean, I don't, I don't want to interject myself too much into this, um, because I mean, it's, it's a story for survivors, Right. It's a story for, for the people that have been there, the people that have experienced, but from reading what I've read, um, it's life long. Like you deal with that trauma forever. Yeah. And most of the time it becomes a cycle. So the majority of women that I work with and that I see and get the privilege to work with, they, when asked 
you know, in your childhood, was there any abuse that you have been through? And the majority of them answer yes to at least one type of abuse. So when you start your life as an impressionable child and you see abuse going on in your home, whether it be between, you know, parents, parents, step-parent, grandparents, uncle, auntie, whatever that looks like, and you see that, that becomes your normal. Because as a child, we're a product of our environment. We just know what we see. Right. And so lots of times those cycles begin. So just for example, um, you know, say somebody was a dad was being very abusive to a child's mother or a dad was sexually abusing, um, you know, their daughter and you were on the receiving end of that. You grow up thinking that those things are normal. Right. So lots of times that daughter will repeat the relationship of being with the man who is abusive, whether it be, you know, verbally, physically, sexually, whatever scale it lands on. Or um, if they're being abused lots of times, you know, by a parent or a family member as a young child especially sexually, lots of times, you know, these women will grow up and look and gravitate towards men who are usually not having relationships with these girls for the right reasons, but they don't know any different, right? Because it becomes a cycle. And then so usually kids get involved, you know, they'll have kids and then the kids will see that pattern, that relationship between mom and dad or mom and stepdad, and it just keeps going. So you like, when I sit back and I think about it, and I spend a lot of time trying to understand it so that I can do better for the women who I get the privilege of working with, it's like, how can you change a cycle that began in a child's you know, first three, four, five years of life. Right. Yeah. I, I, I touched on it in the first episode, I guess I was on, on being impressionable. I was lucky, um, with my grandparents and I mean, I've, I've been a shitty person in my life, but with my grandparents and with, you know, the, the P the healthy people in my life. It was like a hard line. Like you never raised a hand to one. You never, you know, name called. You never cussed. Um, I know like when Jess and I were talking about this and we talked about the cycle. She made the joke. She's like, could you imagine what would happen if, you know, you and I had a a, a dispute and you threw something at me she's like your grandpa would have like whooped you and I was like oh but the, I was like the thought would never have crossed my mind right you know and I mean if I see the, the, my nephew or you know other people's kids if I see them like acting like jerks it's like you don't do that hard no you know cut it out I don't care if you cuss 
But if you're, you know, if you're being a bully as a little boy to a girl, you stop. Because guess what? I'm bigger and I can bully you way worse. So that, that my thing is, it's just like, I think for myself, that's what was ingrained is, I mean, under no circumstance, you know, you, you, you can go outside and you can kick a pail across the yard as much as you want. You can throw rocks, whatever, but you do not under any circumstance do that. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I mean, we teach through our actions. Right. Whether it's deliberate or not, you know, when you have little eyes around and, you know, just growing up, even as adults, right? Like you are kind of a product of your environment. And a lot of the times it's about who you surround yourself with and, you know, what is normal and what is acceptable. And I mean, the reality of it is, is that we all have our own journeys we all have lived our own lives everybody has had traumas but not everybody has had connection and to me if you have connection and you can connect with others about your trauma and you don't feel alone going through it there's something super validating and healing within that. I run a women's group um, with a coworker, and it is one of my most favorite things to do. It's a drop in, any woman is welcome. And the friendships and the connections and the healing that takes place just by these women having you know it's yucky like what brings everybody kind of together and stuff but just watching them grow together and making those connections and not feeling alone exchanging phone numbers i mean it's something so little but that's the only it's the only way to start changing things right we can't change everything and make it perfect but we can start by doing the little things right it's uh i uh, i'm thinking my my wheels turn like a million miles an hour and the common theme from like the stories that i was reading um was isolation huge your abuser like isolates you but you also isolate yourself yep be it in, because you're ashamed, you're ashamed, you're embarrassed. So when you do have these other people who know exactly where you're coming from, yeah, and by always in the world that you know the world exists, but you are alone to find that you're not. Oh, that's I like I couldn't even imagine how strong that would feel. It is the most beyond obviously giving birth to my children it is the most beautiful thing that I have ever seen in humanity it's just like ah I get goosebumps thinking about it because we've all been in spots where we felt lonely right and you feel like nobody gets it nobody gets what I'm going through nobody lived this childhood nobody had this done to them The reality of it is, is that there's actually 
a high percentage of people that have. Was it your same journey, your same situation? No, it, there's no way it could be. But they can relate to you in the emotions and the feelings and, you know, everything that you've been through on your own journey. And I mean, you know, connection makes getting through the ugly possible. Yes. I mean, yeah, I, I wish I had like some kind of like witty thing to say, but no, I, I'm just, yes. Right. And That's like, all I got. And uh, violence yeah. comes from power and control. Mm -hmm. The need for a man to have power and control over a woman is what equals violence. Yeah. And when when drugs are involved, when alcohol is involved, people's inhibitions are down, right? So oh. it's like, oh, but he only hits me. He only yells at me. He only you know, gave me this black eye because he had had too much to drink. Okay, well, you know, maybe the alcohol or, you know, the excessive drug use made his inhibitions lowered, but that's still him. And that was still a choice that he made. It's not the alcohol. It's not the drugs. He is the human. He has the brain. He makes the choices. You get it. I say that all the time. You can't, I, you can't blame drugs. You can't blame alcohol because at the end of the day, it's the person. Yeah, we have we have choices, and let me tell you, I have seen drug addiction right up close and personal in my line of work, mm -hmm. and and it. Oh my God, I don't go like, ugh, uh, why? Like, I cannot believe this is happening. I don't judge. If anything, my heart just completely opens up and I just want to like envelope them in this big hug and just be like, you're not alone. People do not choose to have drug addictions or alcohol addictions. These things come from traumas that are unhealed from emotions that are so ugly and so scary and so hurtful that they can't deal with them on a daily basis. And you know what? Those drugs and those alcohol, or sorry, and the alcohol, that is what numbs them and gives them a break from having to relive and refeel all of this yuckiness that they never had, should have had to deal with in their life at all. So, like, how dare anybody sit back and pass a judgment on somebody's life that you know nothing about? True. You know, none of us are perfect. We can all stand on a soapbox and be like, oh, well, I would have done that different. I would have done that different. How do you know? Yeah, I mean, we, we haven't walked those shoes. No, not at all. And I think that's just... I think we really need to, you know, um, as a society, I think we just really need to take off those glasses, you know, of judgment and the criticism and, you know, instead of offer a smile, how's your day today? You know, not like, oh, well, they're asking for, you know, money they must you know need drugs they're not going to use it for a warm meal well 
I once had a client say to me, and I never, oh, it ju it just hit home. So it was like, okay, somebody stopped and gave me $20. Mm -hmm. I didn't have anything. Homeless, out on the street. And so, you know, the judgment was made by somebody walking by. Oh, well, they're just going to take that $20 and buy drugs. And this person said, you know what? You're absolutely right. Because I can buy a meal that will keep me, you know, not hungry for three or four hours, five, maybe six. Or I can go buy myself $20 with a crystal meth that will keep me up for a day and a half. I'm homeless. So this will keep me up throughout the night so I don't get beaten. I don't get raped. Um, I don't get the little that I do have stolen from me. And it gives me about that 36 hours of peace, knowing I'm going to be able to stay awake and hopefully keep myself alive. Yeah. That's a, wow. That's, that's so true. I had this conversation once with someone about the, like the 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, and I had said, who are we? You know, you have 20 bucks or you don't. Yep. That's it. That's as far as it goes. Because who are we to judge? I don't drink, right? Yep. So, I mean, Amber, if you were at our house and we're like, and we're having a pool party and you're like, oh, my card doesn't work. Will you buy me a case of beer? Yeah. Not a big deal at all. But it's it's not our place. And I mean, I'm like now hearing like, yeah, that that's, you know, that's a big deal. Like people don't think of that. Right? No. Yeah, and it's that's, you know, that's the reality of some people's lives, you know. And so I think this is, you know, a good spot where we get into some of the good hard statistics of, you know, what's going, you know, what's going on. These are all um, statistics within Canada. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're good with it, I just want to throw some out there. Uh, Rattle them off. Okay, I'm oh. sitting down, so I know I won't I won't fall over from being. I know. Grab some tissues. This always breaks my heart. Um, so in 2019, 118 women and girls were killed by violence. In 2020, 160 women and girls were killed by violence. In 2021, 173 women and girls were killed by violence. And in 2022, just last year, 184 women and girls were killed by violence. So the other sad part to this is, is that Indigenous female victims, they continue to be significantly higher than their representation in the population, which is about 5%, with at least one in five victims or 20% being an Indigenous woman or a girl. And Indigenous women and girls are 12 times more likely to be murdered or missing than any other woman in Canada and 16 times more likely than a white woman. Like, what? Why? How? Like, I just, I can't comprehend those numbers. No, no, I'm, I, I, I knew these numbers kind of, but yeah. It's, it's like, I guess 
if if people are listening and they're not like blown away in not a good way you gotta check yourself this is a lot of people yeah like approximately 4.7 million women 30 percent of all women 15 years of age and older report that they have experienced sexual assault at least once since the age of 15 30 percent before the age of 15 like that's somebody's daughter they're you know they're still a baby at 15 yeah and it and 30 percent 30 percent 4.7 million women 30 percent yeah like that's that's a third yeah right that's a third of the population mm-hmm. if there was something happening otherwise a third of the population could you imagine if there was something happening to a third of the teenage boys in the country in what the outrage oh right yeah but it's just like i i i think people don't know you know i, I don't think people know the statistics and i don't think people want to know as a whole i believe that statement wholeheartedly is that it's very easy to live in our own little bubbles and because life isn't easy for anybody I mean we all have our things and you know everybody's working and you know whether you're raising kids or helping with family whatever it may be we all have our plates full and we all have our different adversities that we you know, face every day, but it's like, until this becomes something that is like education is power. So until this is like almost to the point where people can't, you know, turn a blind eye to it, then it's going to keep happening. Like approximately every six days, a woman in Canada is killed by her intimate partner what yeah every six days like it's just uh, i don't know i as soon as i kind of took this on um i've been thinking i I do that a lot um but you know like nobody wants nobody wants to be that neighbor you know if you hear the yelling and the screaming next door nobody wants to be that neighbor to call the police, right? Right. But I wholeheartedly believe would you rather call the police when they're still yelling or do you want the police to show up later when it's silent and find out it went too far? Please call the police. You know, I yep. I I heard a thing and it really hit me. I'm all about like the statements, but it was the MMA fighter who was talking about like men's mental health. Mm-hmm. And the thing I'm, I, I'll, I'll paraphrase it as best as I can remember, but it was, I would rather my friend call me at two in the morning crying than a week later, me crying on his casket. hundred percent. And I'm like, we, as people, all we have to do is give a tiny shit. 
not all the shits, but a tiny shit about somebody else and a little bit outside our bubble, you know? Or yeah. if you hear yelling across the street, stop it. Yeah. Do something because you could be saving someone's life. Absolutely. And we have to push our comfort zones in order to grow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so like you look, children who witness violence in the home have twice the rate of psychiatric dis- disorders as children from ni- nonviolent homes. Uh-huh. So you look at the amount of children in today's world who are on antidepressants, who are on anti-anxiety meds, who are dealing with bipolar. I mean, the list goes on. But when you go back and you talk to a lot of them and get to know their story from beginning to, you know, that current moment, Mm -hmm. there's been a cycle of violence a lot of the time, you know, that have pushed them to the point where they are incapable of being able to deal with their everyday lives. Yeah. And how is that okay? Like, these are children. Yeah. Like, I, it, it's very rare that I'm, like, at a loss of words. Because to me, getting involved seems like a no-brainer. You know, like, for me as a person, um, and I mean, we grew up in the same neighborhood. We grew yep. up in the neighborhood, like, you don't ask questions. Oh, no. No. You ignore. Yep. You didn't see shit. You don't make eye contact. Nope. Yeah. You just, you live your life. You don't worry about it. Um, but I get, yeah, I guess for me, like, I, I don't understand why people don't get involved. It just, it's just the way I guess I'm made, you know, like if I, if one of my friends kids had bruises or was acting really weird i'd ask questions yes you know i i and i guess that's my thing is i just i don't understand why people don't you know because if it's your friend right if it's your friend you care about your friend that's why you're they're your friend yep so you know if your friend their behaviors changed or they're they're saying I've become clumsy. Like as a as a good friend, wouldn't you be concerned? Absolutely. You yeah, you would definitely be concerned. I feel like it's kind of Swiss cheese, right? Like there's holes in the dynamics of all of this because so there's a majority of people. Um, say as kids that are, you know, going through, you know, some sort of abuse. However, if you don't know that that isn't normal because you are isolated, there are threats that are made, you know, that you don't say anything or else, or maybe you're seeing the same things happen on your block you might see the same kind of things happening that you're experiencing in your own home, whether it be 
you know, the same or similar, but it doesn't make you feel like what you're going through is any different than what you kind of see out there. Right. Okay. So I do have a question. As far as like, because I mean, we, we grew up in the neighborhood we grew up, um, but is it more common, is domestic violence more common in, like, neighborhoods like ours? Or is it equal across the board? Or is it, like, is it more common in, like, the fancy neighborhoods? Is there any correlation that way? I feel that from what I have seen and I... This is not going on any statistics that I have found. This is own personal experience. But um, people's economic situations definitely contribute. Um, lots of times when there is, um, you know, you're living in a poor neighborhood, um, you know, there's money problems. So there's not always food on the table. You might have mom or mom and dad working one, two, three jobs just to try and make ends meet. The stress levels, you know, in the house are higher due to that. And then sometimes, you know, being stressed out leads to, you know, some form of coping, which may be, you know, um, addiction, drinking, drugs, um, sex plays a part in that too so therefore there's affairs and families fall apart like it just really becomes a snowball effect not right. saying that that doesn't happen in you know houses and people who have money and that's not an issue and live in beautiful homes and drive nice cars and don't worry about affording groceries but there's just not those same stressors there like we grew up on, you know, on the East End and I feel probably what you and I went through in childhood was very different than some of the other kids we went to school with that lived up in Sunnydale. Oh, definitely. Like Jess and I have this call. It, it's the funniest thing because we grew up different. Right. Right. Jess's parents are still together. Um, They have a great house. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. so every once in a while we'll have these things of like, we grew up different, you and I, um, and like, like I don't know. It's just it it is different. So yeah, it's because I was I was thinking of that because I mean like commonplace things that we saw in our neighborhood, you know. Um, talking about it with Jazz, she was like, "That would never happen in my neighborhood." Right. And I got me thinking. It was like, would it though, or would people be more apt to not say anything? I think because, you nailed it there. Because a lot, like I'm, I, I will yet again say I'm, I, I don't know a lot about this, but if I was a mother, if I was a woman, and I was living in the, you know, fancy house, fancy car, no stress, um, like no stress as far as like money, that sort of thing, but then it came down to. I'm a victim of domestic violence, but do I want to leave with nothing? 
And again, it comes back right to that power and control of the perpetrator. It's financial abuse. And there's many women who there's this guilt, right? They chose this man either, you know, to marry or to be their partner. Lots of times they chose to have kids with this person. Mm-hmm. Though these women take a tremendous amount of guilt and self-blame and project that on themselves and blame themselves for the abuse that is being put on them instead of being able to kind of step back and look at the big picture and go, oh yeah, well, the man that I fell in love with and chose to marry and chose to have these kids with isn't who I'm seeing now. Like you wouldn't have fallen in love with somebody the first time you met them, they hit you and gave you a black eye or they stole your keys so that you couldn't go anywhere or, you know, they smashed your cell phone so you could have no conversations with anybody and isolated you from everybody. Mm -hmm. Like there's a process. There is process isn't probably the right word. Um, Like a method. Yeah, there there is a method and it just kind of unfolds and it unfolds for everybody differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't matter. There's nothing, I guess, that, uh, what I'm trying to say is there's nothing these women have done that make them deserve this, even though that is what I hear a lot of the time is, you know, what did I do to deserve this? Like, I loved him. I did everything that I could for him. I tried to be the best mom. I supported his career. Um, you know, I we had a very healthy um, sex life. You know, I did all the baking for the kids' school. Um, you know, anything. And you just sit back in awe and you're like, oh my gosh, you were the most amazing human being. And yet you have had somebody for so long tell you that you are completely worthless, useless. You've gotten, you know, fat since you've had your kids. You don't look the same way you did. You don't give them attention. And before you know it, these women feel like they are worth absolutely nothing and that they somehow deserve the abuse that is being put on them. I... I I just can't like this. This makes me ill. I'll just I'll just say it as it is. Um, and you're you're gonna get a fiery little rant because like I I want to throw up. It's pretty it, yeah. It's it's pretty intense. Um, you know to really have to um separate your emotions right in those times because when you're hearing these stories, you're there as a support, right? It's not like, oh, well, I've been through this or, oh, this other client has been through this. And so I know what you're saying. No, that's not it. This is your story. This is your time. And I need to be here and I need to support you. And I need to hold space for you that's safe. And I need to offer you grace. And I need to give you that connection. And I need to let you know that from this point on, from us sitting down and having this initial conversation, 
you will never again in this journey be alone because I will be a phone call or a text message or a coffee date or just a drive around, you know, the city just to be able to be there for you. That's, that's amazing. Like I, I don't know. I don't know. I've been saying, I don't know so much cause I don't, but like all I can keep thinking in my head, um, is like no, no person. I don't give a shit who you are. No person is ever given the right to do that to another person. Like you, I don't care who you are. You, if, if you do any of that stuff, if you like, if you break people down, you're broken. And you know what? Yeah. Like, I, I do hear this because I mean, I, I'm a dude and I do hear the, well, you know, like she, she hasn't lost the baby weight yet, or she doesn't look like she did when we met. And my, my rebuttal always is like, you guys met when you were 20, you're yeah. 45, dude, you don't look like you did when you were 20, you're fat and bald. So right? don't, don't play this, but it, it, it absolutely like infuriates me that people feel that it, it's okay to do that to people, you know, like, and it's, it's, yes, maybe sometimes it's like a, oh, it only happened once, but a lot of times it doesn't. And it starts with the comments and it starts with the shit. And nobody, like, if if you're listening to this and, and you are a male, because there has been quite a few men that listen to this, um, and reach out about it. So, you know, if you're a dude and you're listening to this, go to your partner and tell them that they're beautiful. Tell them that you love them. Because you know what? You've changed too. You're not better. You don't have that. You know what? Tell your kids. Be a role model. Don't be a perpetuator of a shit statistic because you're going to screw your kids up. So, yeah, I mean, for me, the role of like a father figure is you do right by your family. You do right by your kids. So, yeah. Do it. And there are so many, so many, um, you know, amazing men out there that are wonderful role models that go out you know i can just speak within our community because this is home and where i live and grew up um but so many that volunteer so many that sit on nonprofit boards um so many business owners dads sons like that just go out of their way to be incredible human beings and so as much as, you know, we talk a lot about women and them being at the hand, you know, of a, abused at the hand of a man, I like that you said, you know, like you need, there are amazing men out there and they are great role models and we need more of that. But the sad reality is, is that we are living in a society where there is a huge chunk of men that are not living up to that 
And this is where, you know, we need to make a stance. We need to educate and we all need to do just the little things that we can, you know, to bring awareness, to offer help, you know, to volunteer because those are where the big changes happen is through the little bits that everybody in a community in our world can contribute and the little things very quickly become the big things and those big things become the change that we all are wanting well and i mean that's the thing right if nothing changes nothing changes yeah i was i was given a a a call by somebody who like i absolutely adore and theirs was something or sorry anything is always better than nothing Yes. You know, you, I, individually, we're not going to change the world. But you know what? If you do a little, I do a little, that'll make people around us be like, hey, let's do a little. And a little adds up to a lot. So Yeah, and I think our fashion show fundraiser was proof of that. We had an amazing group of women who all came together. Um, They had a vision. They all did their part in contributing, you know, um, right from the store owners to Jess and um, her friend who came in from Regina that did the makeup and the hair. And, you know, everybody came together as a community. It was a night out. It was a beautiful setting, um, you know, but it made a huge difference. We raised or they raised, I take no ownership in that, they raised a substantial amount of money. And then we had a business right here, you know, in Moose Jaw that matched what we made. Yeah. Like, wow. Like, congrats, Moose Jaw. Right? Because I I can't think of any other community, you know, that had, you know, that, well, that's unfair. But I just think Mushta is an amazing community to come together and to do such a wonderful thing. Like $10,000 is a big chunk of money um, to go towards resources to help the women and the kids that come through our doors at the shelter. And it's everybody's contribution that did that. Like how amazing to go to bed that night and know, you know, without a doubt, that you made a difference in somebody's life by buying that ticket, by buying a raffle ticket, by showing up and supporting a nonprofit organization. I can say for myself, I went to bed that night feeling like a POS because I, being the only dude there, right? If y'all. But then I'm yep. going, and then hearing your statistics, right? Yeah. And then I'm going through my head, like, you know what? I probably, first off, I was like, well, I probably don't have any friends that would do that. But then I'm like, you know what? That's what everyone says. So then I'm like doing right. inventory and I'm like, Jesus, like, okay, yeah. I, I, I've got to be more receptive to this. Right. I've got to right. listen and pay attention and and hold not only myself accountable, but hold my friends accountable. 
you know? Absolutely. And again, right, I keep coming back to, and I know it gets old, but knowledge is power. Educating people on, you know, the things to be aware of, what the statistics are, that yes, you know, we're more aware of it and we may have more resources. Right. However, the numbers are still going up every year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. There's, there's a thing that I do want to touch on. So okay. a resource for people, I didn't know this existed until maybe like last year. Um, Claire's Law. Yes. I've mentioned it. I, I think it is amazing, but I don't know if a lot of people know about it. Okay. It so is amazing. You tell everyone. Okay, so in all honest, in all honesty, and for complete transparency, I did a lot of reading on this because I knew we were going to, you know, touch on this um, topic. I was kind, I was aware of the general, you know, um, law, but Mm -hmm. wow. So okay, so Claire's law, it's actually named after Claire Wood, and she was murdered in two thousand nine by a former partner who had a history of violence. The police were aware that he had um, a record of violence, but the information was never disclosed to Claire, despite her getting help for stalking and harassment. So she went to the police, as we are all told to do, this ex is stalking her, he's harassing her, and he had, you know, a history of violence. Mm-hmm. But that was not shared with Claire. So after this took place, um, this came into Saskatchewan uh, June 29th of 2020 is when Claire's Law came. Mm-hmm. We were the first province in Canada to enact on this legislation which allowed the police to disclose of the information. And then in um, June 29th of 2020, uh, requests under Claire's law could be made at um, police stations. And it wasn't until 2021 that the RCMP in Saskatchewan also started participating. So I'm not sure why that was, but I found it kind of interesting that it, you know, took, eight months um, for them to get on board. Right. Um, But yeah, so the purpose of it is to be proactive instead of reactive. And I know in my line of work, that's what we are seeing is that we are trying so hard to help these women and children, but all the work we're doing is being re is like reactive work. We're reacting to the abuse that has already happened. So it's trying to come up with innovative new ways to try and stop it before it happens mm-hmm. but that goes obviously up high and starts at a level that we can't make those changes at right so we start by doing the small things okay. so um, it provides potential victims with information that can help them make informed choices before the violence happens so this isn't designed, Claire's Law isn't designed for individuals who are already in a relationship and abuse is happening. That's not the purpose of it. 
Right. It serves to lessen the impact of um, repeat perpetrators. Um, so there's two routes that you can use to access the Claire's Law. It's the right to ask, which means a member of the public um, applies to the police service for a disclosure. Mm-hmm. And then it's the right to know, which means the police service makes a proactive decision to declo- um, disclose that information to protect a potential victim. So I could go in and say, I would like to use the Claire's Law. My, For example, my daughter's in a relationship with um, so-and-so. I'm seeing these signs. I'm worried that, you know, this might be something known to this individual mm-hmm. so then the police can look into his information and based on what they find they get to choose um whether it's like yeah you know what i do agree that um this woman is in danger there is a record here they're then going to go to that woman and say you know somebody came to us with concerns we did some digging and we found some information and there is prior, you know, assault charges or domestic, whatever they come up with. Right. And we'll let them know. So, like, how amazing, right, that this is in place. And so if I'm dating somebody and I'm seeing red flags and I'm going, something just doesn't seem right may have heard through the grapevine that, oh, well, yeah, you know, his last two ex-girlfriends, you know, said he was very abusive. They ended up in the hospital. I can then go to the RCMP or to the police station and just say, you know, I've kind of been seeing this person. There's been some red flags. I've heard this. I'm kind of, you know, worried that I might be getting myself in an unsafe situation. Right then they can go, right? They can do that work and look into it for you and let you know, you know what? Yes, Amber, this person does have convictions. This has happened. And it validates that gut feeling that as human beings, we ignore so much. Well, and I mean, it it gives that option. It, I'm, I'm trying to choose my words, proper. Um, but it gives a person the power to make a decision before they're a victim, right? Like absolutely, absolutely. I, I if I was a female, I wouldn't date someone if there was like a little bit of red flags, and then find out, yeah, no, this is this person is an abuser. I would be like, I'm a right, and there is a record showing that, or I become a statistic, right? Because so many of so many of the abusers are so good, right? Abusers really prey on empaths, on people that have big hearts, people that are fixers and that want are people pleasers, and it's just they prey on those people. So when, you know, you have somebody telling you all these amazing things and they seem so wonderful and all of a sudden, you know, their real self kind of shows and then they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, I just had a bad day. Well, then you start believing those things, right? It's almost, but when you have this tool out there, 
and you can use it. It's anonymous. Nobody knows. And it is, you can get that clarity and you have that choice to make for yourself. It is so empowering. Well, and it gives you the opportunity to break a cycle before it starts. Right? Absolutely. And that's where the reactive part in this, or sorry, not the reactive, the proactive, but that's where the proactive part comes in. We finally have found a system, the first puzzle piece in to change, into giving a tool, into giving a resource to these women who are in these situations. This is the first step to stopping this cycle. How amazing. Step. Like that's, it's it, unfortunate that someone had to lose their life. Okay. Yeah. Think of all the lives that potentially could be saved. Right. And have been. Yeah. Right? And have been. Since this came in. Have right. been. Yeah. So people, if, if and you amazing. are in a situation like this. Use Claire's law. It's it's law, and it's there to protect you. Don't be ashamed. Uh, yeah, it is a tool. And I mean, a lot of people don't know it exists. So, no. Now you know that's now the, the, part now of the it. tens of tens of people that listen to here, they'll know it exists. But it's a tool. Yeah. And it, it is. It's absolutely a tool. Yep. Um, yeah, it's, what else, it, what else it is amazing. What else do we need to touch on? I, I so the, like we should really wanna... Tell me. Tell yeah, me. it. there's so much. So one of the like things that I really um, think is important is the impacts of gender-based violence. So like women with histories of physical violence have significantly higher incidences of depression. Um, research shows children that see or hear many domestic um, violence assaults um, Where was I going with that one? Research shows um, children that see or hear many domestic um, violence assaults. Oh, they also, um, again, right, they, they will reenact that moving forward thinking that that is normal. Mm -hmm. um, experience, experiencing violence in a relationship can lead to alcohol consumption. Um, that's how some people cope it um, by self-medicating. Um, children who witness violence or threats of violence um, between parents are more likely to display harmful drinking patterns later in life. Um, indigenous women exposed to intimate partner violence are more likely to report injuries then non-Indigenous uh, non women, 59% versus 41%. And they're more likely to fear for their lives. So 52% of Indigenous women exposed to violence, in, sorry, intimate partner violence, compared to 31% of non-Indigenous. So almost, well, it is. It's like 21% more. Why? Right. And then the physical health problems associated with intimate partner violence are chronic pain, disability, fibromyalgia, 
um, gastrointestinal disorders, um, irritable bowel syndrome, sleep disorders, cardiac disease. Like the, this isn't only emotional, um, you know, and a black eye or bruise or a bloody nose. Chronic abuse or seeing abuse from a child, you know, as a child can result later in life in a shorter lifespan or not being able to, you know, enjoy your life to the full potential because you now have chronic health, physical health issues caused by the traumas and the emotional distress that you have been through in your life. Darren, I didn't re- I didn't know about it. Right? Like it's huge. It's not just people think, oh, I've heard, oh, well, you know, it was one time or oh, it was one person. Get over it. Get over it? Like, no, not at all. Like, how about, you know, let's sit and like let's unpack what this <clears throat> did to this person, right? Because it affected them on all levels of their being. It's not just a black eye or, you know, a bloody nose or being, you know, yelled at or, you know, being chased down the street and them actually taking their car and sideswiping you, you know, having people stalk you. Um, Oh, it like it just goes on and on and on. And until you have experienced that and have been through that or even you know, have the statistics and the knowledge to be aware. These things are happening every day of our lives in the cities, in the towns that we live in. And it is time for all of us to do the small little things that we can do to help empower these women and children and to be able to be their voice when they don't have one anymore. Right. Yeah, it's, I I don't know, I just, I keep going back to, like, we just have to, we just have to, like, help people, you know, just give a tiny shit about someone else, and I think if we all did, like, you know, like, I, I'm looking at what we're doing right now, and, mm-hmm. uh, like, so, the, every house around me has a couple, okay? Yeah. Well, I can see six houses, so that, you know, rough, like, probably one of those, there's a, there's a domestic situation that's happened, or experience, and it's like, right? Script. You know, like, like put that in perspective, like... That's exactly oh. it. Next time you're at a, you know, um, at a hockey game, or at a restaurant, or if you have children, and... You know, you're at one of your kids' activities or you're sitting around at a work get-together. Just take a mindful moment to just look around and to take in your surroundings and know that one in every four women in the room that you are in has experienced or knows somebody who has experienced yeah you know like that that is so unsettling it's 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 not it, okay. it's sad that's it no. like just for me it's just it's so not okay yeah 
So yeah, and I yeah. So but these are the things. This is why you know I was like, you were the only male, like you know the man that came to this fundraiser. But I I've always been a strong believer that everything in life happens for a reason, whether we understand it in that moment or not. There is a lesson or there is a door opened. And you being there that day, being in that room full of women and supporting all the women that looked around and saw you as the only man there spoke volumes. So like, not that you did it for any accolades or any pat on the back, great job. You did it because you care, but thank you. Like from being one of the women in that room, thank you for being vulnerable and for showing up and for being there. And then you took it farther and you've now, you know, made this, put this on your podcast, not only in one, but in two different parts because you care. And now other people get to be informed. This is also a tool to be proactive because we are educating you know, we are giving people information and opening their eyes to things that they didn't even know were going on around them. These are the things that make a difference. Cool. I, I, I guess I can say thank you. I don't even know what to say to that. I, I just feel so, I don't know. It just seemed like they're the right thing to do, you know? Yeah. And it's just, and it's been amazing, right? Because to me, it wasn't, this isn't now just a one night event where that was very successful. This got the ball rolling, right? This was the beginning of something that I really feel um, we have the opportunity to take and to keep going and to keep educating and to keep doing things that are going to make us more proactive in a real reactive society. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to make those changes by doing these things and by caring and by being able to give a foundation and a place, whether it's the women that came forward and they're amazing and oh my gosh, the stories that they shared and that so many other women were able and men, you know, we're able to listen to and to be able to go, wow, you know what? I can relate to that. Or you know what? I had a friend or a sister or my mom or whoever that went through that. And it it becomes a bond, even though you don't realize it in that moment, but it creates a platform where we can all go and we can all connect and we can all be part of something that really needs to see change. I 100% agree. Yeah. Um, okay. So I got one more question. Okay. So if someone, if, if we have the listeners here, hopefully mm -hmm. some too, besides you and me, um, <laughs> if, if someone's in a situation where they are a victim of inner partner violence. <laughs> How, what, what can they do to break it? What can they do to be safe? Where can they go? Where, how can they start the ball to 
move from being a victim to a survivor. Right. So doing the emergency outreach part, this is part of my job. So I can actually speak with the, you know, with experience in this part. Um, most women have a breaking point. There will be something that will happen that will be that light bulb that goes off where they're like, you know what? Like, I can't do this anymore. This isn't okay. So whether it's them reaching out to a friend or somebody they trust um, and just opening up, right? Finally being honest with the abuse that they're facing. Other times they will um, contact the transition house. And when they contact us, we also, which is amazing, we have a number that women can text. And it's really neat because not all the time do, um, you know, are women available to be able to pick up the phone and call. Lots of times, you know, their abusers don't give them right that space right so you can call or you can text and you know you can disclose as much information as you feel comfortable disclosing um to the frontline worker that's on call um however most of the time they will give you the number to um an outreach worker and then i will get um a text message or i will get a phone call and they will just, you know, they'll reach out. This is the situation. This is where they're at. I always ask, like, we can text. We can, um, you know, talk on the phone. I can pick you up. We can go for coffee. Whatever you are comfortable with. And we will work within those parameters. And so it's having somebody that is not directly involved in their situation that has the tools and knows of the resources right that are out there and if you know most of the time they just want somebody to validate how they are feeling and that what they're going through you know isn't isn't their fault mm -hmm. and it's like i if i had a dollar for every time that i heard well, you know, I don't know if I'm making this out to be like more than it is. Like, I don't know if it's me. And again, right, that's the blame has always been portrayed on them. So I always suggest, you know, I've had people reach out. We're lucky in Moose Jaw because lots of people, you know, we kind of all know each other or know of people through the grapevine. Um, so, you know, I'll, you'll have people kind of reach out even personally, but I would say like contact at the Mushra Transition House, there's a 24 hour crisis line and the number is 306-693-6511. It, somebody is always there. The staff is so amazing. You know, they will listen and they will offer advice. And like I said, they will pass on, um, the numbers for the outreach workers like myself that can get more involved and more in depth and meet, you know, meet them where they're at. Mm -hmm. And then there's also um, the number they can text, which is 306 631 0962. 
And so if they're at a place where, you know, they can't pick up the phone, um, but they can text, they can text that number. And whether it's they're just needing some emotional support, whether it's like, this is what's going on, what do I do? Um, or, you know, I'm looking for a counselor, whatever, right? So there's just, even though we are, you know, um, a safe house and safe place for women and children, we have so many um, other resources and programs that re that we run within the transition house itself. And then also lots of contacts, right, within the community too, whether it, you know, be counselors, whether it be, um, you know, helping um, with housing numbers or who, to, you know, what form to fill out for this or you know, it just kind of goes on and on, but it's just a really great starting place with people who care. Mm -hmm. That's, I, yeah, I, I just keep thinking like, I hats off to you and your team and your peers and, and anyone listening that's like in your, your field. Um, I, I couldn't do it. Honestly, I think the emotional for me would just be too much, but on behalf of people, like, thank you for doing, doing the good work, you know, doing what's right, doing what needs to happen ultimately, you know, and yeah, it, it takes a village, right? Yeah. And it's all of us working it's all of us working together and, you know, I am so thankful every day. And yeah, there's days where it's very emotional, you know, and you just need to kind of step back and um, regroup. There's days where there's many tears um, just because you want to be able to do more, mm -mm. but you're only one person and you need to remind yourself of that. Right. But all the thanks goes into you know, these amazing and courageous women and children who let us into their lives. And that's not an easy thing for them to do, um, considering everything that they have faced. But each and every woman and child that I have come across since I have started this position has taught me more than I could ever put into words and it is very grounding and they are amazing and very special people who just deserve nothing but the best and I actually feel very honored to be able you know to work with them and be a positive part of their story that's amazing I'm like I've had goosebumps this whole time I'm like, I'm I don't, sore. but it's a really hard topic, but it's so like, I, oh, it's just, it's so amazing. And by having these conversations and doing these things, we're giving them a voice. Yeah. And how amazing is that being able to be those people you know, that get to come and have these hard conversations, but knowing within that, that it's going to make a difference. And even if it's one person's life, 
mm-hmm. that's like the most amazing thing you can do in a lifetime. That's one person. In my personal opinion. You know? Yeah. Look. Like that's. Like how amazing. That's uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm just like, I don't know. I'm blown away. I'm like amazed. I'm, I'm all, all the feelers. Right. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Like it's all, like all the feelers are out. It, yeah. It's, it's, no, it's and a I, weird it, spot, I guess, especially being a man, you know, like, oh, I can imagine. It's, it's, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain. Maybe one day I'll be able to explain it, but it, yeah, it's, it's the whole, the whole, all the feelers, all of them, every single one of them. Yeah. And hey, you know, even though it was hard and out of your comfort zone, you stepped up and you did this and you pushed your own probably boundaries, you know, talking about some of these things, but you did it. And now this is going to be out there. And, you know, it's just, it's going to touch other people. And, you know, people are going to be able to relate. And if us doing this, if we can, like I said, just change one person's life or offer a resource to somebody, you know, that they didn't know was out there. Wow. That's, that's my thing. If, if one person... And it's on all my podcasts. It's in my life. If one person can take one thing away from something, it was worth it. A hundred percent for me. Okay, let's wrap this one up. Um, Sounds good. Thank you. So I was going to cuss. Thank you so much (laughs) for doing this. Being on here. Um, sharing your expertise and, and statistics, but not just like regurgitating stats, but relaying them in a real, because that's the thing. The people that are living this life are real people. These are our real neighbors. They are our real friends. They're people that we pass in the grocery store that we see all over. It's not a someone else problem. It's an everyone problem. So thanks for, for putting like the human aspect to it. And thank you for everything you do. Absolutely. Oh, no, thank you for having me on here and just being able to talk, you know, openly about this. And thank you for seeing this as being an important topic, um, you know, to bring to the table. And it's a hard topic, but you know what? We did it and it's out there and... In the future, let's please, you know, continue to work together and maybe touch base again on this and just keep educating and helping people. Absolutely. Okay, so if you're listening to this, I'll I'll end it. Um, If you're listening to this and you're in in a situation of intimate partner violence, you're not alone. Don't ever fucking feel that you are. Don't ever let anyone make you feel that you are. Reach out to a friend, to a support system, to anybody. You're not alone. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. It's not your fault. Um, take a, a little step can go a long way. Um, check in on your friends always. I'm, I'm never going to stop driving this one home. Um, recently I just saw that somebody else that I knew passed away. They lost their fight with mental health. 
check in on your friends. Be a good friend. The friend that's checking in on you probably wants to be checked in on. And as always, I challenge everyone, do one nice thing. It doesn't have to be big. Open a door for someone. Say hi to someone. Do one nice thing. Because if we all did it, the world would be a pretty nice place. So, Amber, thank you for being here. And thank you for being awesome, y'all.